You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Here's your host, Tia McNelly. Welcome to season three, episode eight. I am Tia McNally, and as always, I'm joined by our producer and co-host, Jess Biondo. Hi, Jess. Hey, Tia. We're on the same screen. Yes, we're finally recording together Yay. for the first time in almost over a, year. a year. Almost a year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're so excited, and we're so excited to welcome our guest. Her name is Christina Wilcox, and she is an author and Enneagram expert, which we're excited to dig into Yay. today. She's a digital illustrator, a mental health advocate, and just an incredible woman to know. Um, <laughs> so we're excited to hear her story today. Uh, so welcome, Christina. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I feel very honored to be here, so I'm excited. Good. We are excited to have you. Our listeners and ourselves love the Enneagram. Oh, yes. Yay, so that's we're awesome. excited to dig in. Um, but before we get into talking specifics about that, I was wondering if you could share with us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up writing your book and getting into the Enneagram in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. I found out about the Enneagram maybe four or five years ago now. Um, my, I don't even want to call it a career, but what I did before, what I do now is I was mainly a worship leader. I had done it since I was like 12 years old and was working basically almost full-time at a church doing worship leading. And one of the worship leaders I worked with consistently introduced me to the Enneagram and I quickly became very obsessed with it. I've always been super into mental health and psychology and personality within the church and what that looks like in a um, godly way as well. And so I just kind of dove right in and didn't really think anything of it in the sense of I wasn't looking to pursue a career in it at all. I just was so, I watched as my family and friends discovered their type. And I saw this unbelievable empathy and understanding cultivate from just knowing a number that kind of described what you, you know, what your core fears and desires were. And I saw what an impact it made. And um, I wanted to introduce that into like our church staff and other things just to like create um, a sense of unity and, Um, I was at a job at the time that wasn't the best creatively was really toxic for my mental health. And I was kind of going through the ringer was, um, everything that I thought to be true about church and different people I loved and respected was kind of crumbling around me Mm -hmm. and I needed some kind of outlet. And so right around the time Enneagram and Coffee exploded on Instagram, I was like, wait, people post about the Enneagram? I didn't think you could do that. Like for some reason in my head, I was like, that feels illegal, but I know it's not. Like anyone can post (laughs) whatever they want. And so I was like, man, my friends ask me so many questions about the Enneagram. I shouldn't make a graphic about it and just like post it for them. I 
truly was not trying to start anything at all. Um, And I posted it from my personal account and started to notice that people really liked it. And so I just started kind of doing it for fun again as a creative outlet. And then all of a sudden in eight weeks, I went from 800 followers to 30,000. And then my account just kept growing and exploding. And next thing I knew, I had a book opportunity and then I was a published author and the Lord just kind of took this really hard season of life where I felt like I couldn't be creative within the church. I felt like who I was inhibited me from being successful. Um, And he took these words that were spoken over me and took this really rough experience I had and turned it into this whole other now job and life that I'm in. So it's really crazy. That's amazing. That is so cool. And so obviously the book deal was a huge surprise. Are there any other ways? Yeah. (laughs) that you saw God show up in surprising ways as you continued to pursue this path? Yeah, I think even just the general eight weeks of when my account was growing, I was leaving that job, searching for another job and felt so defeated and just confused. Um, It was my first real experience with church hurt Mm. and I didn't really know what to do with it. And the fact that when I felt like everything around me was just gone and I don't know, just not what I thought it was. The Lord just like gave me this whole new experience and it really breathed life back into my spirit of like, no, I am taking care of you through this. And I know that um, this is hard, but I have something else for you. And like looking back, I never would have left that situation and I never would have left what I had been doing my whole life if the ending hadn't happened and if this next season hadn't started. And yeah, yeah, there's been so many moments throughout of just even different people I've gotten in contact with that I have looked up for my entire like young adult life that now consider me their peer is just like unbelievable. Right. (laughs) Nothing I could have ever imagined or dreamed. And yeah, yeah, it's every day I kind of wake up like, what (laughs) happened? I don't understand. So the Lord, the Lord's hand is truly in all of it for sure. I feel like, um, there are people listening who are experiencing endings right now. Mm. Um, that are going to be really encouraged um, to be reminded that that every ending is the beginning of something new. And that the yes. Lord always exceeds our expectations and what our imagination can come up with um, when we're submitted to Him and we're following Him. And so that is a, such an encouragement, even to me personally right now, mm. um, to just know He's always going to go above and beyond with the next right thing in him as we follow and submit and live by the spirits. That's beautiful. Thank you. That's so good too. I, I think that I am thankful that I have a story of a really devastating ending into something that was more than anything I could have imagined. And I do hope it is an encouragement to you guys and your listeners. And I just appreciate you allowing me to be here to share that story. Yes. Well, hey, let's talk about your book because that was Mm -hmm. probably one of your biggest surprises. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, so, oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I was going. just going to say with Valentine's Day coming, we would love it if you would take uh, part of um, what you highlight in your book is how to love each type well. And we know that the Lord has called us mm. to love each other with his love by his power and understanding each other and having a clear um, path to loving each other well is so important. And so we would love it if you'd tell us, first of all, a little bit about the book, and then maybe we'll just take it like type by type. Mm -hmm. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Sounds great. So the book was a total surprise for sure. Um, I woke up one morning in October of 2019. I mean, what year is it? And had an email. Yeah, I don't know anymore. It's so I can't believe 2019 is almost two years ago. It's not real in my brain. But um, I woke up one morning and saw this email in my inbox from Simon and Schuster and thought it was spam because I was like, there's literally no way that this would even happen to me. And basically the email was just about like, hey, we found your account. We really love it. We're looking for different Enneagram experts to potentially author this next book that we have an idea for, but we really want it to be like unique to the author and the person. So if you could fill out this outline of what direction you would take the book and where you would go with it, that'd be great. And we'll get back to you. And so of course I was just like immediately typing in the outline, like, okay. Um, And so by the grace of God, I got chosen to do the project and was really able to um, turn a book that is about self-care into something that I, my goal with the book was really to redefine self-care in a way of not just, this is the things you can do to feel better about yourself and comfort yourself, which is so important, but also to really be like, hey, you're not going to be able to move forward until you acknowledge that this is a roadblock for you. And it's really hard, but that is self-care sometimes. And so that's basically the theme of the whole book. And like you said, at the end of each chapter, I kind of go into three ways that you can love each type. I'm just going to do one for each um, type and if you want to hear more, you have to buy the book. But book is called "Take Care of Your Type: An Enneagram Guide to Self Care." Yes, I don't think. Yes, we actually thank said you it for yet. remembering the name. Yes, and yeah, we'll, thank you. we'll link to it in the show Absolutely. notes as well. Yep, perfect, perfect. Um, so for I'll just start with type one. Um, type one in the more traditional practice of the Enneagram is called the perfectionist or the reformer. In my book, I call them the idealist. And the tip that I want to go with for type one is to help them celebrate life and experience the joy of life. Um, Type ones can often get into this mode of self-criticism, external criticism, constantly judging their surroundings to make them better, to make themselves more perfect, to make Um, life more perfect to even make the people around them up to their standards when they're not healthy. And as a, you know, spouse, partner, friend, anybody, the one of the best ways to help love a type one is to just create the space for them to enjoy life without feeling they like they have to fix it or um, 
just reminding them that there's joy in the little things that even if there's still three more tasks on the to-do list, you're allowed to take a break and take this walk at your favorite spot with your favorite coffee in hand and just enjoy and savor what God has given to you. Um, So that would be, I think that's my favorite tip from type one. Um, For the helper, I think something that a lot of helpers crave is quality time. Um, They're incredibly warm people, incredibly loving, but they often overextend themselves to serve and help other people. And that could even turn for them when they're unhealthy into resentment because they aren't Mm. being loved for how they thought that they would be. Um, And so a way that you can really show a type two in your life love is to just put yourself in their shoes and plan them a date, plan them a day or outing, or I guess not outing during this time, but indoor occasion that um, they would have done for you. Um, Just kind of putting your brain into that very thoughtful mode, even if it doesn't come naturally to you, just showing that effort that you're being proactive of like, hey, I know you do this and would do this for me without me having to ask you. I'm going to try and do that for you. Um, And so just kind of surprising them with that and just... Yeah, being proactive in it and not waiting for them to initiate that quality time, if that yeah, makes sense. That's good. Um, for type three, give me one sec. Just have to flip. <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's see. Jess, how did you feel about that? She's a two. Oh, oh a really? Two. And you're spot on. Yes. Yay. That so good. Amazing. That's <laughs> awesome. Three, so let's see. Oh, what's... perfect. Yeah. Here we go. Um, so. I think the biggest thing with three, I'm also a type three. So it's hard for me to even pick one of these because they're all, they deeply resonate with me. Um, but I think the one I'm going to choose is, uh, something I called catch them. So as threes, we have a tendency to either overwork ourselves in our relationships, in our jobs, in whatever it is that we're passionate about doing. We can often, forget to invest that time that we're putting into work relationally. We can just see our image and value only in light of our accomplishments and not who we are apart from that. And I think one of the best ways to love them is that eventually as they're pushing and pushing and pushing, they will burn out um, and we will fall eventually. We will, our emotions will catch up to us. Um, and so be there to catch them, have your arms open, prepared, even kind of lean them into that falling, even if they're not at that breaking point yet, but just creating the space for them as often as you can to let their hair down and cry and really process what's going on and to let them kind of tumble into you when they're just like, I can't keep sustaining this anymore because we all know a three in our life <laughs> and we all know that they're going to hit that point soon. And yep. so as a friend, as a spouse, just be ready, be prepared. And similarly to the two, be proactive in setting up a time where you can just catch them, give them that space to take a nap, give them the space to watch the TV show, mm-hmm. to talk, whatever they need to do. Um, obviously that applies to anyone as well, but specifically to the three, it's super important. Yep. 
Um, Spot on. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think the biggest thing for fours that every four I've talked to, it's so important um, when loving them well. I'm a wing four. So this also very much. Yay, there we go. We're the same. (laughs) Um, That's it's super important to them, but it's not necessarily as much of a practical tip as much as an emotional one, but um, avoid invalidating language. I think one of the worst things you could do to a four is as they're processing with you is to invalidate those emotions because it directly enables a narrative that they're already telling themselves that I'm crazy. I'm too different. Why am I feeling this this way? There's something wrong with me. And so when you use invalidating language, even casually, a four really takes that to heart. And so even if you don't fully understand what the four is going through. And we may never, um, no one may ever fully understand what a four is going through. But um, I think being understood from a four's perspective, they crave being understood. And a lot of that comes with just listening and avoiding that invalidating language. Even if, again, it doesn't make sense to you, whatever it is, just allowing them to just, word vomit and actually process rather than try and either fix their problem or even take the jump to connect with them in those raw emotions rather than saying like, well, you could do this and then move on from this. Um, Just sit with them and be like, wow, that was really, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. And that's, this is a safe place for all the words you just said to be held here and I respect you for it. And um, I love you, you know, just that like avoiding any invalidating things and then using the validating language. I think that that more than anything will mean the world to your four. Um, My daughter, my 18 year old is a four mm. and I can 100% say spot on. Yes. That's so, (laughs) that's awesome. Um, I think the next thing um, for fives, which are the observer, um, something that really makes them feel loved is just respecting their space. That sounds so simple, but if you are going to start anywhere with a five, respecting their space is the first way to love them really well. And they're usually very, whether or not they show up in the world as like an introvert or an extrovert, their social battery depletes mm-hmm. faster than any other number. Um, fives and nines are similar in that way. Both of their batteries deplete much faster. And they genuinely, not even in a, I'm just trying to be lazy or I just don't want to be here type of way. They genuinely need that space to show up in the world as their best selves. And so as a spouse, partner, friend, coworker, the best thing you can do for them is respecting that space and respecting their need to process things internally, respecting their time to recharge, not taking it personally because it's not personal. Right. Um, so yeah, it's very simple with the five, but definitely goes a long way. Um, for type six, one sec. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
I think the biggest thing with type sixes is actually taking their worries and concerns into consideration. Um, sixes are known to be worst case scenario processors. Mm -hmm. Um, they process things around them as this best thing could happen for sure, but all of these other bad things could happen. Mm -hmm. And so often, I guess, similarly to the four, two, we use invalidating language of, well, it is going to be okay and you are safe and you shouldn't be worrying that much. And that may be true, but what a six really needs is for you to say, you know what? I don't understand, but I see how those concerns are valid for you. Let's completely like flush them out. Um, my mom is a six and she said kind of going to that worst case scenario willingly and processing what will happen at the very end of that scenario helps so much because in the end, she usually sees for herself that she'll still be safe yes. and things will still be okay and she'll mm -hmm. still be able to move forward in some way. And so rather than kind of disabling their internal experience with their worry, allow them to bring it to light. The fact that they're bringing it to light with you is super vulnerable. So take care of them in that and be like, sure, let's flesh this out. I want to make you feel secure. And this is a way that I can help do that. Um, That's good. Mm -hmm. For the seven, I think one of the biggest things for seven as well is taking them seriously they, a really great way to love them is to allow them to dream flippantly and passionately. Yes. But most of the sevens I know really heavily care about deep subjects. Like they're at the forefronts of social injustice, or they're at the forefronts of this specific um, thing that they're passionate about because they're visionary visionaries. And I think that so often because they're positive or energetic or um, usually very humorous, humorous um, <laughs> we tend to forget that they're people that have real convictions and strong opinions and they're worthy right. of being taken seriously. And I think in relationships, a really great way to love them is to take idea that they're putting forth seriously and yes. not take it as like, well, I'm just going to expect you to be this way or act this way, or why are you so excited about it? That's kind of a turnoff for me. I don't think yeah. that you're really that excited because often sevens are genuinely excited. Like right. all the sevens I know are like, no, I'm not trying to be annoying. I genuinely just get that excited about life. And a right. way you can celebrate that is by taking that excitement seriously mm -hmm. and marking it as something that's sacred and beautiful within any relationship you have with a seven. That's good. Um, as let's see, eight, eight, eight. I think something that every eight needs to be accepted and loved for is their intensity. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something we often just, automatically label as negative and wrong mm -hmm. because if we've had an experience with an unhealthy eight, we know that that intensity can come across as rudeness and anger and insensitivity. But just like every number who acts in unhealth, it's a defense mechanism and a coping right. mechanism for a thousand other fears and desires. And for eights, something I've heard a lot is they often feel like in relationships that they're too much 
and that they never will really be loved because they are too much. Mm -hmm. And so just giving them that space to be their full self, to not try and change or um, nitpick their intensity, but letting it be and helping them understand their intensity, giving them the safe space to process it all, being genuine with them too. A lot Mm -hmm. of eights just want you to be honest with them and actually letting yourself be honest with them is a huge way to love your eight. Um, So yeah, just accepting them for their intensity rather than seeing it as this thing that's constantly like weighing. Mm -hmm. Eights feel that from people. They feel that their intensity weighs on them. And a lot of times they don't know what what to do with that. I've heard from an eight before that um, he was asking me like, what level would you rate my intensity right now in our conversation just by my voice? And I was like, probably a spin. And wow. he was like, I think I'm coming across as like a two. Mm. And so most eights don't understand or are aware, not even because they want to be unaware, but just genuinely, they feel as though they're coming across a certain way. And so just letting their intensity be because it's always going to be there. And it's something we need in the world and it deserves to be celebrated. Um, Lastly, can I add something there? Oh yeah. Go for it. Well, you think maybe being intentional about not taking it personally or letting it intimidate you. Mm, Yes, for sure. That's the work that we can do in that relationship. Because again, you can't change anybody. You can't change someone's Mm -hmm. personality, but you can change how you receive their personality. And that's such a great work to do with every numbers, just learning what to take personally and what to not take personally, for sure. Um, Lastly, with our sweet peacemaker nines, (sighs) um, one way a nine will feel really loved by you in any relationship is just respecting their struggle with conflict. A lot of nines feel like there is something wrong with them too in the way that they deal with conflict that they have to change how they deal with conflict, which in a sense, we all need to change how we deal with conflict. But for nines, we often just see them avoiding conflict as this negative thing where for a lot of nines, they know how to deal with conflict in a healthy way and they're just listening and processing and they need time before they say something. And so just as you respect an eight's intensity, Mm -hmm. you respect a nine's lack of intensity in a way of like, this is something that you need to go through and I'm not going to take that personally either. And saying you're allowed to process as much as you need and you're allowed to be who you are in the midst of conflict. Um, And I feel like a lot of nines feel, again, ashamed for, or they're often painted as Mm -hmm. these doormats that people walk all over. And sure, that can happen in unhealthy states of mind. But for the most part, it's usually because we don't give them the space to actually say what they're going to say because they do have something to say. So respecting their pace, respecting how they show up um, is a really great way to love them. So those are the, my little tips for all the nine types. So good. Thank you. That is, I mean, I feel like people 
should pay good money to get oh. these other tips. Yeah. This book. Oh, thank you. And the tips so are just sweet. the very end of each chapter. Yeah. There's yeah. all the rich content before yes. the end of each chapter, too. So this is a fantastic book. It's a great little preview of what's in store. So guys, thank you, you so much. Pick up this book. So encouraging. It really means so much to me. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, one final question as we wrap up. Um, is there any last word of anything that might be on your heart, like since you finished writing the book and as you've continued your own personal journey, any word of encouragement for people out there in in any direction? Is there just mm. anything? I want to give you the space mm-hmm. to just share anything that might be going on in your mind and heart right now. <laughs> to be honest, that's one of the most dangerous questions you could ask me. I'm like <laughs> known in my circle of family for like pulling out a soapbox and just stepping up real quick and then stepping <laughs> down. But to keep it really short and simple, I said this on another podcast I was on recently because I feel like it is something that I've held close to my heart for years, but now it's just like becoming this thing that's unavoidable for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's really simple. It's something that I try to live by and it's just assume less, love more. And I think that for all of us to take the steps, whether that's using the Enneagram as a tool to help us do that, whether that's um, diving deeper into scripture, um, getting into a consistent ritual of praying with God consistently throughout the day, whatever it is that you need to do Mm -hmm. to just assume less about people, assume less about yourself, assume less even about God. So often we make so many assumptions about what God is doing, who he is. And a lot of the times we're not Correct. So I think just, and that goes with people that even goes with yourself, especially with um, different in the language of the Enneagram types that we all struggle with our emotions Mm -hmm. and we struggle with our feelings and the different traumas we've been through and just taking the time to not assume anything Mm -hmm. about what is happening when those things are being brought up, not assuming something because this one person acted this way towards you and just taking the moment to extend love and self-compassion and compassion in general um, in all situations is something that I think we all could do a little bit better right now. No doubt. Mm -hmm. You know, and in the spirit of self-care, thinking through your book, I think, that even applies to ourselves. You kind of nodded to that a bit in what you were saying. Yeah. You said self-compassion, but assuming less about our patterns and mm. what we should expect of ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, we we could probably expect more of ourselves mm. um, than what we've shown ourselves in the past. And um, yeah, loving ourselves well as a reflection of Christ in the world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's a uh, that's inward and outward for sure. Definitely something that I feel like the Enneagram has helped me understand. And as I've been in therapy for a while as well, and now wanting being in grad school to become a licensed therapist, I think one of the biggest things that the Enneagram helps us do as Christians is to learn the difference between dying to self and self connectedness. 
because those aren't the same thing. And I think a lot of times as believers, we view um, that connection to self as something we need to die to Yeah, when the good. Lord calls us to foster that connection because mm-hmm. it's how we become closer to him as well. Yep. And so I just, like you said, assuming less about our own patterns and rather than, I, I feel like, taking that time to assume less allows different thoughts, Mm -hmm. even if they're sinful to come up and just let them like acknowledging that they're there and being able to repent rather than either using assumption as self-denial or using assumption as condemnation. Yeah. I was going to say shame. Yeah. Yeah. Shame. That's mostly what happens for all of us as believers. And so I think just taking the time to be like, what if I'm having this specific thought because there's something actually going on? What if this emotion that I may view as wrong or sinful is actually a clue to what God is trying to teach me right now in this season? And so I think the Enneagram is a great tool for that, but also always um, scripture and diving into who he is first um, can get us there even further for sure. Yeah, perfect. Yay. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Thank you. And happy Valentine's Day. Yes, you too. That's awesome. I hope you guys have a great Valentine's Day. Thank Thank you. What a great episode. Yes. Christina is so wise and insightful about all things Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Um, And her book, not only does it break down each number Mm -hmm. and have all this incredible rich information, but it also has her illustrations throughout. Yes, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful book. book. Jinx. Jinx. (laughs) Um, So today in honor of Valentine's Day, we are launching a giveaway on our Instagram page at Collected Workshops. Nope. At Collected Ministries. Yep. <laughs> Check. Um, I should know what our Instagram handle is. <laughs> it's changed. It's okay. It has. Um, and in this giveaway, we'll be having Christina's book on the Enneagram, mm-hmm. as well as Lori Creek's book from our last episode yes. called The Impossible Marriage. So yep. a book about marriage, a book about the Enneagram. And then um, I will be including my Graves into Gardens print. It's one of my newest hand lettering pieces um, from the Elevation Worship song, Graves into yes. Gardens. And so check that out on our Instagram page and all the directions are posted there for you. Perfect. And that runs through Valentine's Day. Yes. So we'll announce the winner on Valentine's Day and we will um, be excited to see who all gets connected through our giveaway. Yay. Um, so I absolutely love any kind of rundown that takes you through like one aspect of every type of of um or each type on the Enneagram. So it was such a joy to just focus on how to love each type really well. Mm. Like that, that's so very important. Yeah. And I find that to be such a useful tool to just kind of have that handy, ready to go. I hope you guys took notes because now you've got with whoever you encounter in your life, you've got a go-to way Mm -hmm. to love and honor that person for who God created them to be. Um, And so we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. We hope you go out and buy this book. And if you didn't take notes, 
Remember, I've taken them for you. True, true. On our website. <laughs> um, so check out our uh, website too, collectedministries.org, and you'll find all the show notes and yep. details about everything that Christina shared about loving each number well. Yes. Have a great week. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as a dollar a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, giveaways, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes and Jess at Spreza Foundry. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.